Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 924 of Locked on Raptors for Monday, April the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. Uh, and of course, please support the podcast and all of your favorite podcast providers. Subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. It's very, very appreciated when you take the time. And uh, do it for all the other shows we got cooking on the network as well. We have team-focused shows covering every team in the big four sports and the NCAA Power Conferences as well. And if you're a hockey fan listening to this on Monday morning, uh, tune in from noon to four as there will be a live NHL trade deadline show going on on the Twitch and YouTube streams of Locked On Live as well as on the Odyssey app. So please, if you're a hockey fan, sign up for that. That'll be a lot of fun. Much better than the Pierre Maguire-filled TSN panel all day long repeating the same things. Uh, I can promise you. We've got local experts checking in. It's going to be a blast if you are into the pucks. Okay, on today's show, the Raptors played two games over the weekend, and we're just going to kind of recap them all together in one I guess there are two very different games the Raptors of course beating the piss out of the Cleveland Cavaliers 135-115 with no Kyle Lowry no Fred Van Vliet no Pascal Siakam and then on Sunday with no OG Ananobi Fred still out of the lineup a 102-96 loss to the Knicks with some heartbreaking moments at the finish uh, particularly for one Pascal Siakam so we're going to dive into both of these games and uh, you know give you our biggest takeaways and all that good stuff and uh, joining me to do that, as he usually does on Mondays, because he's the first person I want to talk to to start out my week, it is Vivek Jacob uh, from North Courts, from Complex, from CBC, all over the place. What's going on, man? Nothing much. I thought it was going to be an awesome sports weekend, but just a bit of a dampener at, at the very end. All my teams got wins. The Raptors obviously won on Saturday, but this would have been a nice win to get against the Knicks and have a perfect weekend, but it wasn't to be. But hey, at least there was some sunshine Saturday. Uh, I guess the rain today was a bit of a bad omen, but all in all, no real complaints. The Blue Jays getting rained out. There was rain leaking through the ceiling at uh, MSG and onto the floor because James Dolan can't afford roofers, apparently. Um, yeah, <laughs> lots of damp vibes on Sunday. A very damp day overall. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, let's uh, let's do it this way. We'll we'll talk quickly about the Cavs game to start things out because why not start out positive? We'll have biggest takeaway from that game. We'll do a biggest takeaway from the Knicks game in the second segment. Uh, I think that's probably the way to do it. Um, the Cavs game. They went one thirty five, one fifteen. They looked awesome. Gary Trent Jr. forty four points on seventeen of nineteen shooting. Mm. Uh, the 10th highest scoring game in Toronto Raptors history or tied for it. And he's been on the team for about two weeks. So good for him there. Uh, Big V, what was your biggest takeaway from a super fun win for the Raptors over the Cavaliers on Saturday night? That Gary Trent Jr. has a very big bag. I mean, I think, I think that's the one thing <laughs> that just continues to impress me 
watching him play in a Raptors uniform. It's just how many tricks he has up his sleeve. And he's referenced a few times now that obviously playing on the same team as Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, on the one hand, he gets to learn a lot from them. On the other hand, he doesn't get to actually showcase those skills that he's worked on. And now he has the opportunity to do that. And we kind of saw everything against the Cavs. It's like that Mary Poppins scene where she's just pulling every single thing that you can think of out of that bag. And so that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, he was awesome, man. I, uh, I'm i really enjoying the Gary Trent experience. The Gary Trent seems to be enjoying the Gary Trent experience as well. Uh, <laughs> he said after the game that this is the first time in three years in the NBA that he's felt like he was wanted, which was kind of an oddly pointed statement. Yeah. But uh, glad glad that he's feeling that way in Toronto. It's always nice to feel wanted. I just, I am very, very intrigued by this dude and what he could be. And like, there's a, there's a case that maybe this is just, you know, this is the kind of player where maybe there's not a ton to add. He's just what he is and and that's fine. But, you know, to sort of cap development for a 22 year old seems kind of silly. And, you do start to get a little wishful when it comes to the ceiling, right? And I got a question in a mailbag a couple weeks ago about who I think Gary Trent could be, like what his ceiling is like, and I really have no idea. (laughs) It is a very difficult question to try to answer, but the fact that he's working on the three-level scoring and he's sort of, like you said, adding to an ample bag between the pull-up threes, the catch-and-shoot stuff, he's a really good off-ball mover relocating for threes, and then he's got that mid-range game, the super, super soft mid-range game. He had some floaters he was busting out um, against the Knicks on Sunday. He had a couple you know, instances where he like, backed down Reggie Bullock and scored just kind of like a bully bucket. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who can score at all three levels with that efficiency who can also defend and like, he's not, I don't think he's maybe come as like this sort of, you know, stopper wing defender or anything like that. But I don't think that's necessarily what they're going to need from him going forward, considering who he'll be paired with, uh, presumably playing for the Raptors going forward here, you know, G Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, whoever else it might be like, they might not need him to be this like stopper, amazing ace wing defender, but he's good. He seems like a good team defender. He tries hard on defense. And when you put all that stuff in a package, he's kind of only playmaking away from being like a really, really scary good player with, I don't know, is it like too crazy to suggest like fringy all-star, maybe one or two time all-star potential? Like, it's easy to get carried away after a weekend that Scott saw him score, what is it, 67 points in two games on efficient shooting. But, I mean, why the hell not get carried away? <laughs> the Raptors clearly saw something in him, and I, I'm ready to just sort of let this Gary Trent experience take me wherever it's going to take me. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to see more to get into that all-star conversation. I think... You know, with with a lot of these guys that can score the ball, it's like, oh, why can't they be an all-star? And I think over time, what you need to see them develop is, okay, you know, now that you're on the scouting report and you're a big part of it, what happens when the double team comes? We saw a play where, you know, he really should have made a better read instead of literally going straight into uh, a trap and cause some problems. And so things like that, you know, how will he respond to more attention and uh, making the right reads and those types of things that when he gets to that level where he is, first of all, commanding that level of attention, then he's actually reacting to those things in the right way. That's when I'll say, okay, you know, uh, 
we can talk about all-star and all, all those things. So um, mm-hmm. for now, I think, you know, he, he's definitely a really solid scorer on this team. It's much needed when you look at, uh, and, and the other thing I'll throw in as well is uh, having the ability to get to the free throw line, right? And so yeah. uh, when you look at this Raptors team, they don't really have guys that can do that <laughs> consistently. And so that's another area where you want, you'll want to see him develop to really be looked at as that caliber of player. So very nice player, really solid pickup, definitely looks uh, a long-term upgrade over Norman Powell. And I am excited to see him develop. Just going to cool the brakes a little bit on the all-star potential. <laughs> Look, I don't want to say that I don't, I, like, I was not saying that I think he's going to be an all-star. I, I want to make that clear. I, 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 you're not putting the brakes on me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you in that I need to see some other stuff. I think the playmaking in particular, you know, that's not something he was ever really asked to do in Portland. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't really been asked to do it a ton in Toronto yet either, even though at, at times he's like the number one or two option out there carrying some bench lineups or whatever, sometimes a starting yeah. lineup. Um, but you're seeing little you know glimpses of it, right? Like he'll run a little improvised pick and roll as sort of uh, you know a secondary action in, in a possession. They're not starting with him necessarily all the time, but you know he can kind of you know throw that little pocket pass. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into playmaking, and that is always going to be sort of the limiting factor on any player, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't add that, then there's only so much you can be as like an on the ball number one guy. And that's fine. Like again, the player he is right now, you, you'd be comfortable getting this player for the next four years. Exactly. If there's no uh, like improvement and development, and I'm assuming there will be development because he's 22 and that's kind of what the Raptors <laughs> do. So uh, it's all exciting stuff. The, there's a very interesting blueprint of a player here that, uh, you know, I got to say, I <laughs> didn't really envision him as like even a target before the deadline. And we were sort of kicking around ideas. And, you know, I made the point that the week of the of the deadline that I thought the main goal should be to come out of it with a fourth guy to pair with the main three that you have locked in. And it seems like they've gotten that. Whether he goes down as the fourth best player on the next great Raptors team, I doubt that necessarily. Like, I don't think that's going to be sort of his lot in life but he if he's a number five starter an excellent bench player like you're 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 it's kind of found money honestly even though they're going to be paying him lots of uh of their own not found money uh (laughs) very soon and the Um, other thing we'll talk about the uh, no i'll just quickly add to that they've added the guy who can be a fourth in that core along with keeping uh, the flexibility to have a fifth in free agency right and I think mm-hmm. that's the great thing, mm-hmm. like in terms of long-term future. And there's always going to be one player coming via next year's draft in the first round. But now to mm-hmm. have Gary Trent Jr.'s contract and the ability to have that flexibility in free agency, I think the combination of those two things, it's it's definitely a big win for the front office of, uh, you know, something that's been very rare this season. Absolutely. Um, we can pivot from there. I did have a big takeaway from the Cavs game that was not Gary Trent related, but it also kind of flows into my big takeaway from the Knicks game. So mm. we'll get to that in just one second here. But 
But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Indeed. Look, you might be hiring. Who you may? Who knows? You know, the economy's coming back. Maybe you're looking for people to fill in jobs that were lost during the pandemic. Whatever it might be, Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring times by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your own must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. To get started right now with a $70, $75, excuse me, sponsored job credit to upgrade your post at indeed.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked, indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the freaking world. They have a wonderful lineup of flavors for you to try out. They're 18 staples as well as sometimes they got some specialty flavors they throw in. We were just talking with Big V off air. He's a big fan of birthday cake. It's a specialty flavor they had. I've had it as well. It is almost unbelievable that it's good for you. But guess what? It is. And that is the sensation when you eat any one of the Built Bar flavors that they have. Again, covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet as well. And for example, you got the cookies and cream, kind of a similar flavor profile-ish to the birthday cake. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Big V, let's continue on here. Just a heads up, Tuesday's episode, I'm likely going to do a mailbag. It's the only day this week, it seems, where the Raptors don't play a basketball game. Mm. So I'll take an opportunity to uh, answer some of your questions because the schedule just does not stop. Um, Speaking of which, Big V, we saw the Raptors again play a second game after the Cavs game. The Knicks, they lose 102-96. Frustrating game, to be sure, for the Raptors. Pascal Siakam in particular, rough night for him. 16 points, 7 assists, 5 turnovers on 5 of 18 shooting, including a deadly turnover on a double dribble in crunch time with about 11 seconds left on the clock when they could have tied or taken the lead down two. Um, I want to talk about the Siakam game and all that went wrong in this one for him in the final segment. But I do want to get to my biggest takeaway from the Knicks game. And again, this kind of also ties into the Cavaliers game, and even more so in the Cavs game, because the stat line was sexier for Malachi Flynn, who was the subject of my biggest takeaway. The takeaway is that Malachi Flynn rocks. He's so good, and I love watching him play basketball, Big V. Um, 20-11, the first rookie to have a 20-10 and 10 uh, points and assists game since Damon Stoudemire mm. for the Raptors, which is a pretty good company to be in. And of course, uh, played 27 minutes against the Knicks as well. Just six points, had a three taken off the board with his foot out of bounds, uh, unfortunately. But I thought in this game, he was the reason the Raptors 
had a shot to win this because he came in in the fourth quarter with a bench lineup that I wouldn't have run out there necessarily, <laughs> but it was out there. It was Flynn, Rodney Hood, Ken Birch, shout out to him, by the way, making his debut, Yuta Watanabe and DeAndre Bembry, and Flynn kept that lineup alive. It kept them going, and his just like understanding of how to run an offensive possession is brilliant knows when to look for his own shot versus when to set guys up uh I, I just I had an absolute blast watching this dude over the last two games now it's six games in a row or so where he's looked very much up to speed with the NBA game looking comfortable can't imagine he's going to lose a rotation spot uh, between now and the end of the season at this point considering how well he's played and how much they're leaning into development it seems and he closed the game against the Knicks as well I think deservedly uh what were your overall thoughts on Malachi Flynn Big V because he to me was the highlight of the weekend yeah he was he was awesome this weekend and specifically in terms of running the offense I think he's come to understand the pace of the NBA game he's understanding at which pace he needs to operate to be at his best and so you're seeing that in the pick and roll where he's understanding when to speed up when to slow down you're seeing the confidence in his jump shot, which I think is also helping open things up because defenders have to pay attention to that. He's got so much confidence in that shot. Like there was the one where he pulled up from three. There was even the tough uh, mid range that he hit sort of going sideways to the left. I was like, wow. I mean, that level of confidence, like I think it was DeAndre Bembry who said, who said he hasn't seen a lot of rookies that are as confident as him. And it certainly didn't look that way early in the season. But it's it's great to see it coming along now. And Fred Van Vliet just put up a post on, on Instagram about him and, and had Kyle and him and Malachi in the last pick. And Kyle's already comment, commented on it saying, pay it forward. <laughs> and that's kind of what you see over the years, right? And through the, the, the through line of Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn, I mean, the, they even, like Kyle's taken DeLon right under his wing, all those things. Um, it's it's awesome to see. And for him to come along this quickly is definitely exciting for the Raptors' future going ahead. I, I got to say, man, the clips of Kyle and Fred, and in particular Kyle, like taking Flynn literally under their wings over these last couple yeah. games have been uh, really, really wholesome, wonderful, and frankly to me, all the reason why you don't trade Kyle Lowry at the deadline for peanuts. Uh, He's offering a lot, just taking a dude under his wing after a possession where things go Mm -hmm. wrong, and that there's tangible, meaningful value to that, and to see... Kyle post about it and like say like say it out and sort of put it up in the open it's I look forward to the the pipeline of Raptors point guards continuing until the earth uh, explodes because uh, <laughs> it just seems like a, a pretty good system they've got set up here and you know I, I can't decide what I like more between Flynn and whether it's his handle or his defense at this point there's just so much to to like and to dig into uh, I mean, the hezzy and blow-by on Kevin Love to start off the Cavs game kind of set the tone for that <laughs> yes. game in a lot of ways, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Steph Curry could never. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I mean, his defense, like, he's 
like he, he's just a, a menace. Like he he shouldn't be this good. He shouldn't be have the timing down this well this early. It's it's remarkable, man. He's digging in. He's getting those steals. He's getting those steals that are credited as credited as blocks the way Fred does. Like it's just uh really good stuff. And I'm like and now I'm sort of thinking about what next year's team is going to look like, which has been an exercise I've been doing all season long, trying to figure out who's who are keepers and who are not. Mm-hmm. And I mean. The rotation starts to look a lot nicer when you have Flynn penciled in as like a regular third guard or whatever it might be, right. and plus you have Trent, right? Like the the backcourt is going to be in good hands whether Kyle comes back or not. It's going to be in good hands, and just sort of knowing that you have that reliable bench operator, which is something they haven't had in a couple of years. Frankly, they've had to rely so much on Fred and Kyle to carry those second units. You know, if you have someone who can give those guys a blow and not have them play 7,000 minutes, that is super valuable. And it, I think it's just safe to say it's going to be part of the team next season. He's going to be the like the sixth or seventh man at this at this rate. And that is very exciting uh, because he seems to have the total package. And I can't imagine how helpful like a full offseason of development and summer league will be too, considering how quick the turnaround from the draft to getting into this season was for him. So uh, only good things from Malachi Flynn's weekend, even if the shooting was a little bit off, you would have liked to have seen him knock down a couple of those open threes against the Knicks. But uh, for the most part, they don't keep the game close to start the fourth quarter. If not for him, I uh, am fully certain Mm -hmm. that Um, another note from the game against the Knicks Vivek, is the Raptors have a center who can catch now? Maybe two. Uh, <laughs> but Ken Birch played 18 minutes, four points, five boards. Uh, no Aaron Baines in this game. I'm not terribly surprised. And Birch, I mean, I've never been as excited for four points and five rebounds and a single catch on the roll and finish. But that speaks to how bad it's been at the center position for the Raptors this season. What did you think of Birch in his first game with the team? Overall, I thought he was all right. I think he was put in a tough situation in that lineup where it was uh, him and Gillespie together. And I think yeah. the spacing was just horrendous. And so, yeah, I think that that was a tough spot. It was, it was always going to be difficult for him. There's that one possession where he got the ball out in the perimeter and tried to drive. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Um, <laughs> uh, but outside of that, when he was in the role that he's suited for, I thought he did well, obviously. Kyle was able to find him for his first bucket. And, you know, it, it's crazy what we, with what we've got accustomed to seeing this season. There was that sense of anticipation. It's like, oh, is he going to finish it? Is he going to dunk it? And then he finishes it and it's like, oh, that's that's a relief. That's nice to see <laughs> for the yeah. seemingly the yeah. first time since uh, a season ago. But, yeah, I think... He's going to fit into this team nicely. I don't think expectations should be too high on what he's going to provide. I don't think he's going to be a huge difference maker. Obviously, the floor has been extremely low at the center position all year. And so he'll help address some of that. But, you know, I I do think, especially with seeing the way the Raptors close this game, and Mm -hmm. despite what Nurse said pregame, I do think more often than not, at least to close games, we will see, especially when OG Ananobi isn't resting, uh, a smaller mm-hmm. lineup close games. Yeah, I would assume that, you know, once they get Fred and OG back and assuming they can maintain some semblance of health, which is a very tall assumption to make considering they haven't been able to do that at all this season. But, you know, I would assume that they'll 
probably start Lowry, Fred, Trent, Siakam, OG, and probably close with that lineup as well. And just to have Birch and Gillespie, frankly, to kind of now be the centers and just sort of absorb some minutes there, I, I think that's totally fine. I think I agree with you. Don't play them together ever again because that was a nightmare. <laughs> I don't think either of them really knew who was the four and who was the five. Um, and Gillespie seems pretty paint-bound. He doesn't seem like he's really stretching it all that much, and that's fine. He's like a, a very thick, large, rebounding man. I, I'm totally fine him playing some bench minutes as a center. Uh, and getting a look at him, there's there's no harm in that whatsoever. But yeah, Birch just like steady man, and like the finish on the roll where he didn't whip the ball off the backboard was like a, a soothing balm for the soul. And it was also, I frankly, I thought tonight. Sorry, oh no, I was just gonna say it was also pretty funny to see Nick Nurse in this game finally be like, oh my god, I don't have to play Aaron Baines and Stanley <laughs> Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty remarkable stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I thought. Birch too, like defensively, he had a, a couple sequences. I think he switched out onto the perimeter onto, uh, I want to say it was Alec Burks maybe, and forced the missed three and a couple of nice rim protection sequences as well, which was also nice considering Baines can barely jump and is always ill-timed with the, with the, with that as well. Um, and you know Birch, you know those Magic teams say what you will, but those Magic teams they were good at defense, and Birch was part of that. And yeah, I just he's a nice player to have on hand. And frankly, I probably would have closed with him tonight, considering Boucher was kind of getting manhandled a little bit. You know, somehow Boucher grabbed 14 rebounds in this game and Siakam grabbed zero. And I, I thought Boucher was getting just like punked, but good for him for grabbing those boards, I suppose. Um, but like I thought Birch was just maybe a bit more of a steady option and sort of went against the 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 beef of the Knicks a little bit more capably than Boucher yeah, I did. Agree with that. But that's, you know, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised it didn't close with him in his first game. That was a lot to ask and whatever. But um, yeah, it's just nice that they have dudes who can play the five and hopefully get guys to free up Boucher to mostly play the four because we know that he's not a center yep. at this point. So um, good stuff overall, uh, aside from the end result. And we'll get to that in just a second and what went wrong with Pascal Siakam in this game. Uh, and a couple other notes before we wrap things up. Probably do a tankathon sim of the day as well, just to keep the, the tank folks happy because, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what we do here. We, we appease everybody. Um, but uh, we'll get to that in one second. First, let me tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football is over, but you've got the NBA, the NHL, MLB, all in full swing. You've also got award shows coming up. You can bet on the Oscars, baby. Whatever it is, real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up. Just head over to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. That's betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON. They are your online sportsbook experts. All right, Vivek, let's wrap this up. And uh, let's talk about what, what went wrong with Pascal in this game. Um, rough game. He missed, of course, the uh, Cavs game on Saturday for rest. You know, there was this sort of notion that this was some sort of tanking signal. I didn't think that at all. I thought, oh, they played nine games in 14 nights, and he just got off of COVID three weeks ago. Uh, probably worth resting a guy, and they did it, of course, with OG tonight. I don't think it's any sort of symbol that the tank is on uh, at all. I don't think they're going to try to lose games. They don't seem like they're wired that way, which I'm glad to see. Um, but... They are going to lose games when Pascal Siakam plays the way he did against the Knicks. Uh, again, 5 of 18, just 16 points, no boards, 7 assists, 2 blocks, 5 turnovers, 
and of course the double dribble to close things out in crunch time. You know, I, I made this point on Twitter because anytime Siakam does anything, the conversation gets out of hand and stupid and exhausting. It's almost hard to have like an honest conversation about him at this point because I feel compelled to go in defense mode when things go wrong for him because things get so toxic the other way. What did you think overall from Siakam in this game against the Knicks, though? Like, obviously, not one of his better nights. Uh, I thought, if I'm being honest, I thought it was one of his worst performances of the season, if not the worst. And uh, yep. his first half, I mean, he's had, you know, the last few games he's started out, like the first five minutes have kind of been slow, and then he really gets going. And, and so I was kind of waiting on that, but just the energy seemed low, like... For someone who had a rest game and then came out looking like he had played 45 minutes the night before, that 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 was the thing that boggled my mind. And to finish with zero rebounds, that kind of tells the story as well. There was one possession or, or in the first half where the ball was literally right in front of him and then he just got out hustled for it. And yeah, so that, that was really puzzling and frustrating. And you look at the way he started out that game, settling for the jump shot. And then you contrast that with the way he started the third quarter. I was like, okay, here we go. He, he was attacking the basket. He created a chance for Boucher. And he was a lot more assertive. And and then, yeah, it wasn't obviously a great night for him overall. And again, probably if, I mean, there's a lot of games that have gone by. So there's probably a few I'm forgetting. But I lean towards this being the worst game just because... If you're going to get the rest the night before, the onus is on you to really be the mm-hmm. one that sets the tone. And, you know, I, 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 if I'm being frank, I was a little f- frustrated with the broadcast bringing up you know, his absence uh, from what's been a little while ago now because he did have a really good stretch before that. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't really see how that becomes a factor on a night like this. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something that he's got to own. I think this has been a continued battle. I've talked to you about this before where intensity seems to sort of fade in and out with him, right? And when, you know, you can have a shot go in and out. You can make honest mistakes. But as far as intensity, the energy that you're bringing, the the, the aggression that you're playing with, that should never come into question. And Nurse said it after the game as well. Number one thing about Pascal is right from day one, he has been an energy guy. And at the very least, yeah. that is absolutely what he needs to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a well-taken point. And I think it's totally fair to critique him for a rough game. Even if I think the double dribble at the end was like, is kind of an unfortunate circumstance. Uh, Brad, a guest from this past week, Too Much Hoops, pointed out like, might have been like a chemistry thing that, you know, had Gary Trent been on the team a little longer, maybe he's standing in a different spot and the the defense is not in a position where Pascal realizes the pass might get stolen. You know, it, it's a weird thing. Obviously, you don't want to double dribble in crunch time in that situation. It's bad. Uh, and I'm not here to defend it or anything mm-hmm. like that, but it's explainable when you look at the context of the play and sort of the, the, the very quick bang-bang like nature of it. It was a very sort of... I was surprised they didn't call a timeout, honestly, because things seemed so sort of frantic when Kyle got that steal and they were running the other way. Um, but yeah, you don't want to double dribble there, man. <laughs> I, and it kind of, it, it's, you know, what are you supposed to do? It's, you, you can't do that. It's a, it's a bad call. And, you know, you could have just taken it to the rim and not worried about 
pass into Gary Trent at all, and that would have been totally acceptable as well to try to tie there. Wouldn't have had an issue there. So, yeah, just just a rough one. That said, it doesn't mean that the last 10 games or so where he's been by and large very, very good and has kind of pulled himself back up to his you know, true shooting and stuff from last year and obviously you're working the assists and everything else he's done well this year. You know, it doesn't erase any of mm-hmm. that, but certainly was a bad game. Does it mean he's a uh, on an albatross contract? No. <laughs> Does it mean like that? Our th- I think the realistic person's estimation of what Pascal Siakam is has changed. Like, no, I, I think it's pretty established, and like a a moment like that in crunch time kind of even proves it that he's miscast as a number one. And that's okay. (laughs) He can be miscast as number one and still not be some sort of erroneous max contract earner. He is a very talented basketball player who, next to a superstar, I think would absolutely thrive. And that should be the focus of what the Raptors do going forward. And all of these little moments where things go wrong are just further bits of proof that, yeah, he's probably not going to be the number one guy in a championship team. But if you are still expecting that, I don't know if you've been paying attention for the last, you know, year and a half, honestly. Like, it's, we haven't learned anything new, just getting more little data points along the way, I guess is the way I would put it. It's actually Um, funny. I was just quickly checking his numbers over the last five games. So including this Knicks game, as bad as it was over the last five, he's averaging 28 points a game, 6.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists. Uh, a block and a steal a game. He's shooting 52.6% from the field, even with tonight's five for 18. So, yeah, you know. Still good at Getting basketball. to the line One seven times game. a game, shooting <laughs> 89% at the line. So, yeah. He'll be all right. I, uh, I have a full confidence he'll be just all right. Um, also worth noting, I, you know, you don't want to make the excuses and all that stuff for the, especially since he was off on Saturday, but... He did look pretty gassed. I, you know, I have a hard time sort of gauging how to feel about, you know, these guys who miss so much time with the virus that we don't really know anything about. Like, it's totally justifiable if he's gassed to me, honestly. And, and in that case, maybe don't take 18 shots. Maybe don't take a bunch of threes that you don't have your legs for. You know, work a possession that's a little bit more sort of useful and <laughs> and not settling. Like, there are ways to combat fatigue that aren't just hucking up shots, and so that he owns that for sure, but I still think the fatigue element is going to be a thing I expect and kind of understand for most of these guys from now to the end of the season, especially considering how compact the schedule is when you factor in every other thing going on. Um, one last note before we get to the, th- the tankathon sim of the mm-hmm. day. Uh, it's lovely to have Kyle Lowry back, baby. Mm. Oh, my God. He was so good in this game. 19-7-6, three steals, 5-10. Uh, had that big balls bucket late in the game in crunch time uh, to cut it to two, I believe, like 96-94. Just kind of blowing by. I want to say it was Julius Randle, but it all kind of blends together. Kyle Lowry, fucking awesome, man. He was so, so good. Nice to have him back. He was awesome. He was awesome. There was a stretch there in that second quarter where it just felt like he was doing everything, right? And it was like if if Kyle wasn't scoring, they had nothing else to get. They had nothing else to give. And I am glad to see him back. And we'll see uh, how much longer the Raptors keep uh, pulling at the rope here or, or semi-pulling at the rope. I don't know what to call it at this stage. It's a little bit weird. Uh, with you know the people who are in and out of the lineup but yeah it's always awesome to see him mm-hmm. we, we saw him calling the double dribble which was awesome 
<laughs> mentoring uh, Malachi Flynn when he got the chance. And so, yeah, that's the value that he brings to this franchise. And again, when you choose not to make that decision at the trade deadline, there's still a lot of value that you're getting the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, just uh, an absolute delight. We, we love Kyle Lowry in these parts. Uh, pro Kyle Lowry podcast, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, last thing, uh, take-a-thon sim of the day. Let's do it. I know we hate this, but uh, hey, they're number eight in lottery odds right now, 21 and 33, 26.3% chance at top four, 6% chance at number one. Let's do it. That's my drum roll, sim lottery, blah, 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 blah. And they stay at number eight. Uh, we've now done this. Five times the Raptors have been picking eighth four times and have uh, stayed at seven once. It's almost like it's very unlikely that uh, the lottery balls you want to fall your way are going to actually do so. <laughs> uh, tanking, bad. Um, anyway, man, I think that's the end of today's podcast. Do you have anything you would like to promote? The usual stuff. Uh, North Courts every couple weeks. You can listen to a new episode of Red Couch Man. So re- recapping Manchester United's win over Tottenham uh, 3-1 that was a very enjoyable one so you can check that out uh, I'm not watching soccer this year so I don't care <laughs> <laughs> Sahal does I hope Sahal's listening you can't hurt me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah besides that usual stuff uh, on Complex usual stuff for CBC Sports and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob Awesome stuff, man. Uh, of course, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated when you support the show, of course. Uh, with the mailbag episode coming out tomorrow and uh, game recaps all throughout the week because the season never, ever, ever stops. Uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. <laughs> <laughs>